So on today's episode, I have a wonderful conversation with Rachel Witten. So Rach is a clinical counsellor who works on my team in my practice, and she also works in a couple of other centres around Brisbane, and Rach also has her own private practice in the Redlands area. So Rach works with individuals, and she's also a very good couples counsellor. I got Rach in to talk about the topic of sex. Rach is a really knowledgeable person on the subject of sex. And so even if you're not in a relationship, this podcast has lots of information. So today we talk about desire. We talk about anatomy. We actually do a little bit of an anatomy lesson. We talk about the orgasm response and how it can be accelerated or stopped. We talk about a thing called erotic intelligence. So this episode is beginning a conversation about what's actually normal in the sexual arena for people. The idea with this episode is that you will take away some normalizing for yourself, normalizing for your relationship, and that you'll also take away some ideas of how you can use the information in this episode to enhance your sexual relationship with yourself and with your partner. So with that said, let's talk about sex. I'm very excited to be talking about sex. Me too. It's one of our favourite subjects. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Rach and I work together and we will often stand outside our rooms and we'll just start talking about a random thing. Rach is a prolific researcher. She's always got a book or a podcast on the go, right? Yeah, I obsessively consume information. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then she will say, did you know? And then we'll have a chat. Mm. So... This is why we've chosen this subject because we often just talk about sex Sex. because in our, we're both counsellors and in our counselling room, we often get this as a subject. So welcome, my beautiful Rach. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. I'm so excited. Me too. Okay. So where do we want to start? When we unpack, when we open the can of worms of sex, where do we start? I think... Really, when we're talking about sex, understanding your own body and your own sense of safety and your own sense of self mm-hmm. is where it starts. Mm-hmm. Because when you understand that about yourself and those things and be curious about those things, you're able to give it with somebody else and share mm-hmm. that level of intimacy with someone else. Mm-hmm. So, starting with understanding maybe pleasure. If you were to give your understanding, so if you were to talk to somebody and they said, what's pleasure about? What, why are you talking about pleasure if we're talking about sex? What would you say? My understanding of pleasure comes from Emily Nagotsky. She talks about four parts to a sexual experience. Mm-hmm. One of them is desire. Mm-hmm. One of them is pleasure. One of them is arousal. And the last one is orgasm. Mm -hmm. And she spends some time talking about the differences between them all. Mm. So pleasure is the felt sense of enjoyment that comes from anything. It's not Mm. just sex. Mm. 
we can find pleasure in sipping a lovely cup of tea, mm-hmm. looking at the sun and feeling the sunshine on our skin. Mm-hmm. It's a surge of chemicals and hormones within our body. Mm-hmm. And it differs from desire because you can have an experience of pleasure that comes from desiring it, Mm -hmm. but you can also have an experience of pleasure that is from something that is more spontaneous that you haven't yet desired Mm -hmm. but experienced pleasure from. So can you give an example of that? So I would think something that's not sexual would be arriving at a house to see somebody and enjoying their company Mm -hmm. and they present you with a chocolate cake Okay, and you haven't desired chocolate cake until you see it perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the pleasure would be maybe seeing it with your eyes. You would start salivating most likely and you would enjoy eating it. Mm. So that's like the pleasure response. And then can, because we're talking about sex, can you talk about it in that context? Yeah, yeah. So a sexual example would be perhaps coming home from work, Mm -hmm. being ready to sort of get dinner ready and your partner might give you a little squeeze on the bum Mm -hmm. and your response to that, if in the right context Mm -hmm. for you, it could be pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Though context matters because if you're tired or if you're, not ready to receive that kind of connection, Mm -hmm. then it could actually not be received as pleasurable. Yes. In fact, when you said that, Mm. I think of a number of people that say that feels gropey, that feels clawing, that feels unwanted. And so can you talk a little bit more about context? Because I think that's really important for people to understand when we're talking about pleasure. The context really does matter. We can experience pleasure. One situation with our partner, we can climax and have an orgasm and go, that's so pleasurable. And in another time, because we've got something on the brake and the accelerator, because there's those two aspects of arousal. Okay, pause that. Yeah. Because this, you've got to talk about this first. This yeah, is a really true. cool thing that I think once I understood this, it helped me to be able to explain to people this is how we work as far as the orgasm response goes. Yeah, me too. Uh, And it's something that I only discovered sort of more recently Mm. in my research studies. Mm. The concept that when we are experiencing arousal in our bodies, we can have parts of us Mm -hmm. that are accelerating like on a car, Mm -hmm. turning that on and saying, yes, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then um, some things that can influence us can actually end up being breaks. And the funny thing is some situations, some contexts, they are a break and some contexts they are an accelerator. Yes. So that example, if I was with my husband in the Mm -hmm. kitchen and he came over to me and I was feeling ready for connection with him, him putting his hand on my ass Mm -hmm. would be an accelerator Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. But if I was fussing around with children or not ready to receive that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, it could possibly be a break where I go, hang on, what are you doing? Mm Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this is an, yeah, well, and this is an actual pleasure center of the brain. This is a part of the brain that researchers discovered that showed that we do have an accelerator that will lead us towards pleasure and enjoyment and to experience, which ultimately will lead to orgasm yeah. or arousal. And we do literally have in our brain a part of our brain that will say, nope, stop. Can you talk a little bit about what factors influence context so and, and what factors influence our breaks and accelerator when we're talking in a sexual sense? 
I always come back to the polyvagal theory of feeling safe and connected. Mm -hmm. When we're feeling safe and when we're feeling connected, Mm -hmm. the context is already really primed Mm -hmm. for us to experience more things in a creative, playful, curious way. Mm -hmm. So when we're in that state of mind, we are going to experience most things in that moment Well, we are going to experience, have an opportunity to experience them as an accelerator. When we are feeling disconnected from our lover or not heard Mm -hmm. or even unsafe when they're speaking to us Mm -hmm. angrily Mm -hmm. or uh, physically hurting us, Mm -hmm. sexually hurting us, Mm -hmm. it's going to be giving us adrenaline and cortisol Mm -hmm. and that is going to be activating a state of fight or flight. Right. And so that will be part of that system that puts on the brakes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because cortisol actually blocks oxytocin, Mm. which is a lovely design. So oxytocin helps promote birth, it helps promote labour, and it's a lovely thing. Like we don't want to have a baby in front of a lion. Mm -hmm. So it's great that we've got a a system in our body that can shut down birth or Mm -hmm. shut down pleasure Mm. when we need it. Mm. And listening to our body and tuning into our body is really important. Yeah. Because if you are finding that you are not desiring sex or experiencing pleasure from sex, it's an alarm bell to start getting curious about what's going on for you, but also what's going on in the context. Yeah, and in the context of relationships. So when you're saying a person needs to feel safe with their partner, they need to feel connected, that's a biological drive. That's a need in our brain. And so when you're saying... I feel frustrated with my partner, I feel annoyed or unheard by my partner, that sends messages to the brain, right? Yep. That's saying you're not the person that I actually want to start that accelerating arousal process with. And yeah. that often, like you say, is on an unconscious level. So we need to get curious about that. What's happening for me? And then what do we do with that? What, what's your thoughts on what we do with that when we start to notice those things? I think it's really important to maintain curiosity because if we start shaming ourselves thinking that we're broken Mm -hmm. or that we're not normal or that things are bad, Mm. we won't be able to be curious and we won't be able to explore what options might be around. Mm -hmm. Getting curious about your thoughts, I always suggest to just first of all notice that you have thoughts. Yeah. Right? Because we often think we just have feelings Mm -hmm. and we're just responding from our feelings. Yeah. But getting to the point where you go, oh, I'm having a feeling, I must have a thought that comes before this. Mm -hmm. So being able to slow things down and go, what am I actually thinking? What do I believe about this situation? Mm -hmm. What am I worried about? Mm -hmm. What am I stressed about? What am I um, hoping for? Have I had a situation that I've hoped for and it's not matched? And so Mm -hmm. I've felt rejected or I've felt unseen. Mm -hmm. So starting to just recognize that we have a thought life and that that thought life is actually something we have full control over. Mm -hmm. Because quite often we think, oh, our feelings, I just feel this way. I can't can't control it. But the reality is we have full control over our thoughts, Mm -hmm. which then influence our feelings. And what a fascinating insight then. If you are in a situation with your partner and you go, I just don't feel like sex. Yeah. Why don't I feel like sex? You're now saying, okay, if you start getting curious about the thoughts that you're having, and then you bring in this idea of this dual control model that we're talking about with the accelerate and break, Mm -hmm. that helps you then to engage and go, oh, maybe I got my break on because I feel unheard or I feel like you didn't do that thing that makes me feel safe or helps me to feel connected to you.
I know there'll be people listening saying, okay, so how can I use this practically? I'm in a long-term committed relationship. I want to be in a healthy sexual relationship. How can I either help my partner to be turned on, accelerated, aroused, or how can I do that for myself if I'm just not in the mood? First up, give us a call. (laughs) (laughs) Come come, come see somebody who can journey with you and help you flesh some of that stuff out. So couples therapy is a really, really lovely place to do this kind of work. Mm -hmm. But when you're at home and before you've booked in your therapy sessions or even in between therapy sessions, creating a sense of safety between your partner in communication Mm. is the thing to work on. So it's not about saying what I want. Mm -hmm. It's actually about listening. Mm -hmm. So inviting conversation and then just reflecting back what you've heard Mm-hmm. because that means that the person that has spoken to you, mm-hmm. you've been able to sort of reflect back what you've heard and check in that you've actually understood them mm-hmm. because we don't usually listen to reflect. We listen to interject. We listen mm-hmm. to have our turn. Mm-hmm. And so when we get really good at listening, I call it active listening, mm-hmm. when we get really good at that, we actually create intimacy, we create safety between us to say things like, hey, when you put your hand here during sex, you know how I said I liked it? Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't. Okay, so my head just went to, yeah. so I've got a thousand clients in my mind that would then become defensive. So what, you're telling me I'm not a good lover because I put my hand there? I'm trying to do my best. What, aren't I good enough? Yeah. What would you do with that? Being able to start softly with your feelings. Yeah. So uh, an example, I felt uncomfortable when you touched me on my vulva. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for action in that area. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kiss you for longer. Mm. Being able to start with your I feel, Mm -hmm. it softens it up because it is technically an inarguable truth. They can't really argue your feelings. Also being able to sandwich things with affirming connection. Yeah, that's important. So starting off before you even maybe get to the I feel bit saying, hey, I want to talk to you about something that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. I value our love life and I value our sexual relationship and I've got something to talk to you about. It's, mm-hmm. it's no criticism. Mm-hmm. It's just it's really important to me. Do yeah. you have time? Beautiful. Do you have headspace? Yep. And I like what you did after that where you're almost redirecting. So I don't want to be touched here. I'd really like to be touched this way or I'd like to be kissed this way. So you're helping because you want to be a good lover by the sounds of it in that scenario. So you're saying, I want you to do this for me this way and this is not about you not doing things right. Yeah. And affirming the things that you do love, which is also that sandwiching something lovely, something lovely with the middle bit being the punch factor. Yeah. So being able to say, I love it when you do this, I Mm. love it when you do that, Mm -hmm. this turns me on. Mm -hmm. And I really think like in order to be able to say this stuff to your lover, you actually have to know it within yourself. Yeah. Being aware of what turns you on, being aware of what actually gives you pleasure. Sometimes we tune out in sex, especially Mm -hmm. if we've got cultural stuff telling us that sex is bad Mm -hmm. or sex is dirty Mm -hmm. or sex is naughty, Mm -hmm. then we're not going to necessarily always be present in the moment when we're experiencing sex. Mm -hmm. In fact, we actually might be thinking, oh, crap, somebody's going to judge me for this or Mm -hmm. somebody's going to have an opinion of this or I've heard that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. I've heard that this sex act is not okay. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I like it, but that must be bad. Mm -hmm. We can have all this little internal stuff going on in our, inside our heads that stops us from being really present in the moment yeah. and going, oh, I actually really like that. Mm-hmm. What do I do about that? Mm-hmm. 
So with the dual control model, that yeah. comes back to that. So being aware of our breaks. So what some of the breaks are those socio-cultural stories we've been told about what gendered roles are, so what a man should be doing during yep. sex, what a woman should be yep. feeling and doing. And then some of the accelerators, they're some of the playful things. They're the things that you might go, well, actually, I really like this. This turns me on. And again, I think one of the one of our talks about why you and I wanted to do this was we wanted to normalise for people and say what's normal for one couple or what's normal for one female or one male is wonderful for them. What's normal for you is what's important, huh? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There are a lot of things in society that tells us what gendered roles especially should be expected to do. Mm-hmm. And it can actually end up being breaks mm-hmm. for us. So quite often men are associated with having to be strong and firm and solid, mm-hmm. which, and when we've got erectile dysfunction and things mm-hmm. like that happening in the bedroom. Which is normal, by the which way. Which is very normal. Erectile dysfunction <laughs> is normal. Yes. Yes. And being slow to orgasm is normal and not experiencing orgasm with vaginal sex is normal. Right. Let me say that again, because these are really important things. So we are women. So we understand this from a personal level as well. Yeah. Our bodies to orgasm are very very complex. So there are factors in there as far as breaks go, our hormones, what time of the month we're at, what's happening in our immune system. So whether we're tired, whether we're fighting a cold off, those kinds of things can affect how we orgasm. And our orgasm response is quite different to a male's because we can take 45 minutes to an hour to become fully aroused, ready for orgasm. And so uh, this is normal. So this is, it's a normal thing for a woman to say, what felt good three minutes ago doesn't feel good anymore. Mm -hmm. And if a woman doesn't know her body and isn't able to say, hey, I'd like you to stop that and do this instead, then we get stuck in this place of, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not orgasming like everyone else in my story, my head says. That's right. And alternatively, there's other narratives that say, that do say that women take a long time. And so if we orgasm quickly or mm-hmm. if we have a high sex drive yep. as a woman, we can think that, oh gosh, we must be perverted mm-hmm. or we must have too much testosterone or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's actually no normal, Mm-mm. really. Your normal is what I say to people. Yeah, What's your normal? So when people say, how often are we supposed to be having sex? How often am I supposed to be thinking about sex? How often are people horny? How yep. often do people have horny thoughts? I say, what is your normal? It really doesn't matter on what other people are doing. It really matters, particularly if you're in a long-term committed relationship where you're saying we are monogamous here and we're not going to do this with anyone else. You need to work out your normal and your normal can change. Yeah. And to normalize that within yourselves as a couple Mm -hmm. to kind of check in and go, hey, what's our normal right now? Yeah. Having sex once a month and Mm -hmm. going for three hours in those sex sessions Mm -hmm. are our normal right now. Mm -hmm. Are we happy with that? Mm -hmm. Is it something that we want to change? Is it something that we want to adjust? Mm -hmm. What do we want? Being able to talk about that and being open with each other without shaming each other Mm -hmm. or blaming each other Mm -hmm. and being able to check in with what you actually like. Mm. Being bold enough to ask what you want. Why do you say bold enough to ask for what you want? Well, I, my experience of working with couples is that they hold back from sharing their truths. They don't want to offend the other person. Mm-hmm. They don't want to actually make them think that they're less of a woman or less of a man because they haven't satisfied them or they don't feel satisfied. Mm. So it's often very courageous to share your truth with your partner mm. if you don't normally talk like that with each other. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I think it's bold to be able mm. to do that for a mm. lot of people. And loving because yeah. what I hear you say there, when someone says I'm going to be bold and courageous here and I'm actually going to say this to you in the hope that you will say, that's okay, yes, I can do that, that takes a lot of courage and yet it's loving because it's saying I want you to really know me, not I'm going to lay there and hope that you will move or you will do this thing or you will try this thing and read my mind. It's quite loving saying yeah. I'm giving you the opportunity to love me the way that I really intend to be loved. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful gift. It's mm. only going to grow whatever you already have. Mm -hmm. And it also makes me think about this idea of like the low desire partner and the high oh, yeah, desire partner. In regards to desire and pleasure, mm -hmm. one of us in the relationship will always be the higher desire partner. Mm -hmm. And then there will always be a lower desire partner. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in a relationship with somebody who wants sex once a month mm -hmm. and you want sex once a week, mm -hmm. then you would be the higher desire partner. Mm -hmm. Your partner would be the lower desire partner mm -hmm. because they want sex mm -hmm. instinctively less mm -hmm. often than you do. And in that dynamic, it's all about sort of power. Yeah. Who has the power? Well, the lower desire mm -hmm. one because you can't really force sex mm -hmm. in a safe, loving relationship. So they hold the power. They yeah. can say no. And every low desire person says, I don't want the power. I don't want to not want it. It's just how my body is or it's just how my personality is or that's just how I feel. And every high desire person says, I wish I didn't want it so much. I wish you wanted it as much as I did. And so you're saying that's in every relationship, right? Yeah. And in your relationship, you will have seasons where you might be the high mm -hmm. desire and then you might actually then end up being the low desire partner, yeah. depending on where you're at. It can flip and change. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're with another partner who wants it every day mm -hmm. and you're the one who wants it every week, mm -hmm. then suddenly you're not you're the, the high desire, desire. Yeah. you're the low desire. So again, this is what I'm loving about what we're doing. We're normalising. Yeah. So in all relationships, Every relationship has a high desire and a low desire. It's seasonal, so that can shift and change depending on what's happening in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. And the low desire person is the one that often is in control of what happens with it. So what do you say to people when they're in that situation? How do you navigate that well and lovingly? Well, usually it's when people are coming to me saying, hey, we're not having sex anymore. Mm -hmm. Or one person is saying, I want more sex. And in those sorts of situations, usually we end up talking about stuff that's not really to do with sex. Yeah. It's about to do with that context. It's to do with the, the brakes and the accelerator. Mm -hmm. What are the things happening in your individual life and between you guys that are acting as brakes mm -hmm. or acting as accelerators? And do you even have an awareness that there is that system? Mm -hmm. um, and how is intimacy, emotional intimacy with you guys? Because emotional intimacy and safety and connection leads to that lovely meadow where we can have sex in. Mm -hmm. If you're not in that space with your nervous system, then your nervous system is go not going to allow those things to function. Yeah. Or you won't orgasm or you won't experience being very present mm -hmm. in that moment unless you're in that state of mind. So for a couple to navigate this high desire, low desire cycle, they need to talk about it. They yeah. need to have conversations about what's happening for them and then ask curious questions about what's happening for their partner. Yeah. 
even the five senses that we have, right? Yeah. We've got smell, sight, taste, touch, and sound. Mm. In the bedroom, asking yourself, what is the most sexiest of those senses mm -hmm. for me? Mm -hmm. Is it the sound of sex or the sound of my lover orgasming mm -hmm. or coming to the point of orgasm? Mm -hmm. Is it the sound of the ocean because you like having sex on the beach? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that's to do with the smell? Is it the smell of your lover's underarm mm. or their crotch mm -hmm. or the candle that you've got in your room or the fragrance that you've got on your body? Mm -hmm. Or is it how your partner looks mm -hmm. in this position mm -hmm. or while they're even getting ready for sex? Maybe it's while they're having a shower. What are mm -hmm. the things about sex to do with the five senses mm -hmm. are the most of a turn on for you? Many women would say the sound of a lover doing the dishes or cleaning the rubbish bin out or the smell of them when they come in from mowing the lawn or cleaning up after the kids, that can be a real turn on for people. So that's that whole accelerator brake dual control thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also makes me think about the two processes of arousal. Mm -hmm. There's the spontaneous mm -hmm. and then it's reactive, I think mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. We can have a spontaneous reaction to what we've seen. So our lover coming in smelling delicious, mm -hmm. like the lawn and hard work. Yeah. So that can turn us on. That's an arousal response to mm -hmm. input. Mm -hmm. And the other side of that is responsive, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Once you start sex, yeah. your body starts to warm up yes. and you start going, oh, yes, I do want this. Yeah. And that's a really important point because for many people, they don't think about sex during the day. They don't think about being in a sexual situation when they're at work or cleaning nappies or driving a car. But when they're in a long-term committed monogamous relationship, yep. sex is a part of it, a sexual connection. And so I know Emily Nagoski did research on people who have really sexually satisfying relationships. And one of the things, apart from being really admiring of each other and having friendship and trust, was that they intentionally set aside to prioritise sex. Yeah. And so when I'm working with couples, I'll say, so it's really important for each of you to set up a time where you say, this is going to be us shutting the world away. This is going to be us saying, this is just you and I, and this is an erotic connection. Now, the erotic connection doesn't have to end in intercourse. It doesn't have to end in orgasm. It doesn't yeah. have to end in anything. The idea is that we are going to have a pleasurable time together mm. and we're going to enjoy this. And so that then sets a precedent in the brain for this accelerator break. So what smells do you like? So wear the perfume you like. What taste do you like? Have that beautiful champagne that you enjoy. Yeah. What music do you like? So you set the scene and that starts a process in your brain, in your neurochemicals to say, I'm getting ready to go towards this responsive desire that says, mm. now that you've started touching me, I've already started with my foot on the accelerator. I'm ready to go. Let's show up. And our bodies show up. And it's normal. Right. A lot of people think, oh, I don't have spontaneous desire, therefore I don't get turned on. Yeah, I have low libido. Yeah. But it's normal to have the two responses and to even have one as you're more dominant. Mm -hmm. There's no expectation to have either. 
Yeah, which is really important, again, because people will think there is something wrong with me because I don't feel aroused easily. It takes me a long time to feel aroused or I don't think about having sex. That's normal. Mm. But what is, I guess, what we're talking about, what is healthy and what is helpful is saying, well, how can we, what can I do, what can you do as my partner to invest in us sexually, erotically? Mm. And that's what we're talking about. So we're just going to wrap this last part up about the high desire, low desire process because I actually think we could do a whole episode on that of how to get through that because couples then go into what's called gridlock where they say, well, I'm not moving from this. I'm not going to want it less. And the other one says, well, I'm not going to want it more. How do we get through that? I think that's a great next episode on how we do that, how we can walk couples through that. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's about time we did a little anatomy lesson, Rach. Yeah, get our teacher's hat on. Yeah, because I think (laughs) this is really helpful for the amount of people who don't know their bodies and don't know their partner's body. So in the sexual context, in the sexual arena, we often think we're born good lovers, but in fact, being a good lover is an art. And so learning how to respond to your own body, learning how to respond to another's body, that's an art that can take many, many years. And we cannot know how to become aroused ourselves or to arouse a partner without knowing what's actually going on physiologically. Yeah. You've got to know your tools. You've got to know your tools. (laughs) So would you like to give us a little toolbox uh, education? Yeah. Well, the thing that I think most people find surprising is this thing that happens in the womb, when we are developing as a fetus, Mm -hmm. we have all the same parts, right? Mm -hmm. So we have bits that are like scrotums or ovaries. Mm -hmm. We have parts that will become the urethra, Mm -hmm. but we all have the exactly the same parts. Mm -hmm. And at about six weeks, I think it is, Mm -hmm. it will change. And Mm -hmm. so it'll change to either be looking more like one way Mm -hmm. or like the other way. Mm which we usually say is a girl or a boy. But there is actually quite a lot of variance in between that Mm -hmm. scientifically Mm -hmm. and it can be quite a big, broad spectrum Mm -hmm. depending on how the fetus develops. Mm -hmm. So the parts turn into either what looks like a penis Mm -hmm. and a scrotum, which are external, Mm -hmm. or it looks like a vulva Mm -hmm. with the labibia, Mm -hmm. no, labia. Labia, (laughs) Oh, man, how can I get that wrong? (laughs) Councillor Rach ruining the day with with crappy words. Um, The way it was explained to me was that when that hormonal wash goes over the fetus about six or seven weeks, nothing much happens to the female, just keeps going inward. So Mm. all the creation of the ovaries and the urethra and the vulva and the clitoris and all the internal workings of the cervix, that all goes on inside. But then when it's a little boy, that hormonal wash really makes a big difference. So that actually then starts the process for all the bits to come out. So external. So where ovaries will go inside, testicles will go outside. Where labia will go up and a little bit in, scrotum will grow out and around. around. 
And so this is fascinating when we talk about arousal because you want to talk a little bit about the beautiful penis and the vulva and vagina and clitoris. Yeah, so because the structures are essentially the same, one is more external but one is more internal being the woman, Mm. the pleasure system responds a little bit differently but also the same. Mm -hmm. So when you are pleasuring a penis, Mm -hmm. it gets more blood flow into the um, penal shaft Mm -hmm. and it starts to get bigger, stronger and thicker. Mm -hmm. When a woman gets aroused, Mm -hmm. the blood flow goes through the same parts Mm -hmm. of like those same organs and tubes, but it's all internal. Mm -hmm. So seeing an erect penis is more obvious than sometimes what an erect clitoris and the areas looks like. Yeah. And in fact, if you want to see a fascinating picture, just Mm. Google male, female, same same genitals. And so what actually happens is the female has what looks like a wishbone. And so her clitoris is the part that we can see and that Mm. we can actually visually see become aroused and full and engorged with blood and become quite erect when Mm. a woman's aroused. But what we don't see, which is happening in a male as well in the shaft of his penis is that internally she's got all this juicy beautiful spongy internal stuff going on that's like the shape of a wishbone and that's why when penetration happens that's when it becomes really stimulating and enjoyable Mm -hmm. because that's what it would feel like to be moving a penis Mm -hmm. and so for many women they will orgasm differently so there may be a vaginal orgasm there may be a clitoral orgasm there may be both so there's lots of different ways that women can orgasm, but the arousal process is really similar to a male's in that it's all about engorgement of blood and Mm -hmm. sensitivity of nerve endings. That's right. So the clitoris is virtually just like the head of a penis. Yeah, but that's what most people think is the whole of the clitoris, Mm -hmm. but it actually goes all the way around the vulva. And so we can experience pleasure in the whole area of that vulva. It's fascinating, hey? Yeah. Yeah, And the penis goes in, like you can actually if you touch inside where the man's penis is, mm-hmm. you can actually feel the shaft going in all yeah, the way in. Yeah. So that it's it's not just what you see on the outside. This is really important to talk about with your partner and ask them. So here's the thing. A penis isn't just a penis and a vagina isn't just a vagina. There are variations. I did this fascinating thing and went to the Mona Museum in Tasmania where they had a wall of vaginas. So they had plaster casts of vaginas or vulvas. And what I thought was absolutely fascinating was not one was the same. Yeah. And yet they're all vulvas. They're all this beautiful part of our body and yet there's so much variance to it. A lot of people will say to their doctors or even their therapists, I don't know if I'm normal, Mm -hmm. if what I look like is normal. Sometimes our clitoris can be so big that it actually kind of looks a little bit like a penis, especially when we're sexually aroused. Mm -hmm. And some people can be worried about that, but that's just a normal vulva. So my question to my clients is, does it hurt? So yeah. if, if it involves pain, then you need to get something done. But if there's no pain and it's functioning as you want it to, and so again, there's a big variance of what functioning is. Mm-hmm. So are you experiencing pleasure? 
That's yep. the thing. So if the answer is yes, I am, then you're normal. Mm-hmm. And what about your partner? So for many people, porn is the way they become educated about what a penis or a vagina looks like. Yeah. And they're looking for a certain sort of look. They're not yep. looking for what is healthy, what is normal, what is natural. yours. Yeah. yeah and some so, of them are edited. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very important to give yourselves a little pat on the back and to calm yourselves and say, oh, I'm actually normal. And yeah. oh, my partner's normal too. And a lot of people I've heard talk about whether or not their penis is normal mm-hmm. because some of them can be a bit bent. Mm-hmm. And that just comes down to how their inner tubes work. There's three tubes within the penis. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten their names now. But when one is shorter than the other two, Mm. then it will bend towards the shorter side. And that is a normal penis as well. No, sorry, my mind just went somewhere. This is the kind of conversation Rach and I have regularly. <laughs> this is our normal. Oh, did yeah. you know? Did you I know love it's this. Normal for the penis yeah. to bend. So when you're sitting around your coffee tables and your dinner tables yeah. tonight, you can just tell people. Just I learned this on a podcast today. This is this is fascinating information. <laughs> it is to us anyway. It is. I hope it's fascinating for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> me too. The final thing that we're going to talk about today is erotic intelligence. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay, talk. So we have intellectual intelligence, mm-hmm. right? IQ mm-hmm. and we have EQ, mm-hmm. but there are some theorists out there and some counsellors out there that are saying that they believe that there is this thing called erotic intelligence. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when people hear erotic, they think sex. Mm. But the erotic in this sense is actually just about aliveness. It includes mm. sex, mm. right? A lot, sex is, makes us feel alive. But it can sometimes be non-sexual too. Mm-hmm. The erotic intelligence is a knowledge of the balance between two types of aliveness. Mm-hmm. One side of the balancing scales is safety, security, routine, structure, Mm -hmm. all these lovely things that make it very safe Mm. and secure. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the scales is measuring variety, spontaneity, flexibility, adventure, risk, Mm -hmm. all these lovely, delightful, delicious things. Mm -hmm. And For some of us in certain seasons too, because it can change, for some of us, we need a lot more safety Mm -hmm. in order to feel the erotica. Mm -hmm. And for others of us, we might need in this season to feel more of the other playful, fun, adventurous things. Mm -hmm. So knowing yourself and whether or not you have enough of each side Mm -hmm. is really important. And knowing your lover. So knowing what your lover needs at a certain time or wants at a certain time. Yeah. Being able to tune into them Mm -hmm. so that they don't always have to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Being able to kind of tune into them and see, I wonder where they're at. Do Mm -hmm. they need more playfulness and spontaneity Mm -hmm. or or am I being too wild and carefree and Mm -hmm. they need actually a bit of more structure about this? Mm -hmm. Am I taking things too fast or am I being too slow in initiating, Mm -hmm. being really curious about it. What happens when there's an imbalance, an unbalance of those two, because they sound like opposing forces. They do, mm. and they are. Mm. When it's not balanced, we experience disconnect and dissonance within ourselves. We don't Mm. feel grounded. We Mm -hmm. don't feel connected to ourselves or connected to others. 
sometimes we can feel out of control or sometimes we can feel bored. Mm. And Esther Perel, she's this lovely guru on couples stuff. Mm. She talks about how crazy it is that the usual way that us as heterosexuals will go and get married, have children, buy a house, Mm -hmm. do all those sorts of things, that is really heavy on the structure, routine, safety side. And so no wonder Mm -hmm. couples are coming into therapy so often because Mm -hmm. there's just too much of that boring stuff and we've lost that balance. We've lost that aliveness of Mm. it. So quite often we're trying to add in more of this flexibility and to even out all this structure. And I guess it's actually a bit like that a brakes and accelerator Mm. dynamic. Mm. If you've got too much in the security basket, then we're going to have potential brakes happening. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have enough in that pleasure side and the playful side and the creative side, then we don't have enough accelerator. Yeah, I think Esther Perel talks about having way too much domestic connection and domestic connection is who's picking up the kids, who's paying the bills. So we're side by side doing this wonderful thing that we all long for, which is safety and security. So that's a long-term committed relationship. But we often do that at the expense of that erotic connection, which is the fun, the mysterious, the playful, which is why it's so important to intentionally set aside time to say, let's take off our domestic hat and let's put our fun and playful erotic hat on to say, let's just be boyfriend and girlfriend, or let's just be partners, or let's just be playful today or tonight. Let's leave all that other stuff for another time. Let's not talk about the kids. Let's not talk about the mortgage. Let's not talk about all the really lovely grounded stuff. Let's talk about the flirty, fun, silly stuff, exciting stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, love it. So erotic intelligence, what else have you got to tell us about that? One thing I like to tell people when I'm sitting with them is giving them a non-sexual example of it because I think when you're tapping into your own erotic intelligence in the non-sexual way, it helps warm up Mm. your awareness of the sexual. Mm -hmm. So one example I give that I like to do, I live over in the Bayside area close to the waters Mm -hmm. and some days before work, depending on which streets I'm driving on, you can peep and see a glimpse of the water. Mm. And whenever I see a glimpse of the water and it's like a stunning day and I have a little bit of time before I start work, my erotica mm. alightens with alivens mm-hmm. within me mm-hmm. and I feel, I think, oh, I've got to go to the water. Mm. And so if I've got the time, I will drive to the water mm-hmm. and I will sit there and I will look at that delightful sun on the water. Mm-hmm. I'll smell the smells. I feel very connected with nature mm-hmm. and it is a very grounding experience, but it's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. I don't plan on it. Mm-hmm. Quite often it's only 15 minutes, yeah. but to choose to live in that moment and go, I'm going to choose that. Yeah. That's using my erotic yes. intelligence to go, yeah, I need that. Yeah. That's going to be good for me. Music is like that for me. So if a yeah. good song comes on, I wasn't necessarily looking for it, but it brings something that's alive and mm. wondrous and exciting in me. Food, those kinds of things. Yeah. So we can look for it. So mm-hmm. I guess if people are looking for ways to bring that aliveness, then looking for things that make them say, wow, or ah, oh, and, and they feel that sense of excitement in yeah. life, that yeah. can be a great practice to begin this erotic 
balance out of the other side. Yeah. And some mm-hmm. of those things are familiar too. Yeah. So it has that a bit of that balance of mm-hmm. like this, I've tasted this before. I know what this tastes like. Mm-hmm. I know what this water view looks like, yeah. but not today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that mixture of the two. Yeah. Nuance. Yeah. I know Esther Perel also talks about the importance of mystery, unknown, sometimes even danger. She likes yeah, risk. Where, yeah, risk. Yeah, danger is probably not a good word, but risk, you know, yeah. are we going to get caught? Is this going to be seen? Yeah. So what's going to happen next? And so that brings some of that excitement into the sexual and erotic connection yeah. when you're saying, okay, so what do we do to mix this up a little bit and make this more exciting, more alive? It's bringing some of those factors in, which can feel really vulnerable yeah. in, a, in a partnership and you. And sometimes we might not have the energy to match each other's mm-hmm. erotica as mm-hmm. well. So you if you're wanting one thing and mm-hmm. then your partner is wanting something different, yep. being able to talk through that mm-hmm. would be really important. Because if somebody's saying, hey, I'd love to mix things up, I really would love to do role play. I've never tried role play in sex before and I would like for you and I to try that. Mm-hmm. And if the other person hears that and goes, oh, that's energy, mm-hmm. I don't have energy for that, mm-hmm. or that sounds scary or that sounds weird, yeah. it's like how would you manage that as a couple having that kind of a conversation? Yes, that's a good one. Uh, that just reminded me, we have online, so on our website, we have some digital intimacy connector cards. And so they're just little questions to start talking about these kinds of things that we're talking about. Start yeah. talking about things. And some of them can be uncomfortable and some of them can be mysterious and some of them can be new, but they begin a conversation where couples aren't just talking. So this is particularly for couples who are saying, I don't want to just talk about the everyday stuff. I want to know how you really feel and what you Mm. really want and how we can make this more alive together. And being uncomfortable is vulnerable, which opens up such lovely opportunity for intimacy. Mm -hmm. So it's a good idea to jump into that kind of a thing together and get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because sex is sometimes uncomfortable, messy and smelly. It's not not all just... Clinical. Clinical or Hollywood. No, definitely not. (laughs) Or porn. (laughs) No, real sex is. Yeah, you're right. Real sex is vulnerable. Real sex is meant to be saying, I'm going to let you into a part of me that I don't show anyone else. I'm going to let you see this and this is not something that I would share with anyone and you're right yeah messy and smelly and juicy and wet and and it's supposed to be yeah yeah Rach this has been wonderful this has been awesome yes is there anything else that you wanted to say about this subject because we would definitely have you back on again yeah we should do more and please send Rach and I any questions questions and any comments and we will definitely be talking about this in future is there anything else you wanted to say I want people to get curious within their own bodies and their own pleasure. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really lovely place to start mm. and allow yourself to be curious with it and adventurous even, Yeah, just to be curious about mm-hmm. it. Curious is a good place to start. Yeah. I wonder what I feel. And, I wonder and what I like. Yeah, what is mm. pleasurable? What is my pleasure? Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. See you next time. See ya. is a production for Mary Burton Psychotherapy and Counselling, hosted by me, Mary Burton. Audio production and sound design by Joshua Burton, social media by Raleigh Ranaletto, theme song composed by Gavin Luke, and online digital content by Brianna Burton. 
For more information or resources on today's topic, visit maryburton.com.au.